Welcome to All Together Now. This is Eleanor Lacane. Today, we're going to talk about how you can become more economically secure, especially women facing retirement. You know, people are living longer these days, and we can expect to spend maybe 20 to 30 years in retirement. A lot of people think that Social Security will take care of us when we do retire. But the reality is, for most people, Social Security isn't enough to provide financial security. Also, fewer employers are offering pensions through work, so most of us are going to need savings and investments to have enough money in retirement. This is particularly challenging for women for many reasons. Women tend to earn less than men. They take time out from work to raise children or to take care of sick family members or elderly parents. So we end up with less income in the near term and less money in Social Security payments in the long term. So how much money do you need for a secure retirement? How many people facing retirement have what they need? Is there a train wreck coming as more baby boomers retire without enough money to live on comfortably? And what can you do to increase your financial security? Our guest today to answer these and other questions is Cindy Hounsel, the president of WISER, the Women's Institute for Secure Retirement. WISER is a nonprofit organization that helps women, educators, and policymakers address the issues that affect women planning for their long-term financial security. An attorney and retirement expert, Ms. Hounsel has been widely quoted in media such as the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, Boston Globe, USA Today, and Newsweek. You may have seen her on ABC, CBS, CNN, CNBC, or the PBS program To the Contrary, a two-part award-winning series on women in retirement featuring her group, Wiser. We are fortunate to have her with us today. Cindy Hounsel, welcome back to All Together Now. Thanks. Thanks for that lovely introduction. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, I love speaking with you, and it's been a couple of years, actually. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot that's been going on in the country and for women and financially. So um, let's get right to it. You know, most people don't get the financial education they need about making and managing money. I think that may be particularly true for women. And then that leads us to make mistakes because we're not well informed. What do you see as the most common financial mistakes that women make? Well, the sad thing is that women can't afford mistakes. Um, and, you know, one of, one of the things that happens is that they don't put their own few financial future at the top of the priority list or pretty close to the top, like this is something I have to do, it won't take care of itself. You know, um, people think, well, you know, that's when I'm 80 or 90, but that's not when you're gonna start paying attention to this because by then you have so many other problems when you're 80s and 90s um, that, you know, it, it's, the, the income is, is important, but it's not the priority on your list saving more. You should have done that before you got to the, that decade. And so I think it's it's you know not not making an assessment of what you're going to need and understanding, in in some ways, and I don't want to underestimate this. It's not that difficult because where are you getting money from? You're probably not going to win the lottery. It's unlikely that if you inherit, you know, if you know you're going to inherit that that's all going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. So you need to be relying on yourself. And there's three basic ways to get retirement income. Social Security, you named it. The employer accounts, you know, that if you're lucky, you have a match and you'll have an employer um, uh, coverage opportunity at your job, which a lot of people don't. I mean, there's like 45,000 45 million people in America that don't have access to retirement accounts at the workplace. That's a lot. And then there's 24 million of those people that uh, that do have that don't do anything. Like they they opt out or they don't pay any attention. They never sign up. They don't you know they don't save. 
So, I mean, right there, there are, you know, like opportunities for people to pay attention to what they have at the workplace um, and know what you have at Social Security. I mean, that's when people say, well, I haven't done anything. It's like, well, today you could do something. You can go online and you can open up a my social security account and it will, you know, my SSA account.gov and you'll know what, you know, your estimated benefit is going to be. And for most workers, it's 40% of what you were, you know, earning throughout your lifetime. So you have a better sense of right there, you know, what do I have from my retirement account and what do I have from social security? And then have I saved anything or, you know, am I in a situation where I can save? So those are, you know, that's, that's the beginning of what you need to do. And what, what I, what I think people forget about too, is that, you know, everything keeps going up. So you're going to need more and women live longer. So that's already, that's already an issue is that you're going to need more money. Because if you're going to live years longer and at a time in your life, I don't want to sound depressing here, when your health is, is you know, not as robust as it may have been when you were in your 20s, um, you know, you have to think about that, too, because you're likely to have more prescriptions and things that you need to take care of, more doctor bills and all of that. So you need to know how you're going to pay for your future. Right. And I think. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who say, oh, well, we've got Social Security. That's what it's for. And when I retire, uh, which they think is some very distant time, then I'll just get my Social Security and that'll take care of me. But really, the average amount of money that a, a woman in particular gets from Social Security is nowhere near enough for most people to live on, right? Right. I mean, I, I didn't memorize that number for this, but, I you know, it's probably the, the median amount is probably around, you know, $1,600 a month. Um, and so you can improve that greatly by working longer. And you can also make sure that you take your benefits so that you'll get extra. So if you don't take your benefit at the earliest, re, you know, retirement age, um, where you're going to have a big cut in your benefit, like age 62, which a lot of people do. Um, and, you know, I understand if you have to do that, you know, you have no other choice. I have to take this or I'm going to lose my house. I don't have another way to pay my mortgage. So you can take it early and you can work part time, although you have to know the rules about that, too, because you can end up being penalized for working and making over the certain amount Um but the best thing to do is to probably, if you can, work until you're 70 at least. And then from your full retirement age, whether that's 66 or 67, you'll be earning at least 8% more for each of those years. And I don't know where else you can get 8%. Um, right. You know, so it's... Right. And I, you know, I think a lot of people are not aware that if you... When you hit your retirement age, you can take your Social Security benefit, but it'll be lower than if you wait. And right. like you're saying, every year you delay, your Social Security monthly benefit is going to go up like right. 8% every year. So if you can wait until age 70, then every month that you get that Social Security benefit, it's going to be a lot higher than if you had taken it when you first qualified. Right. And actually, when you take it early, like at 62, it's between depending on, you know, your birth year and all of that, it, it's between 25 and 30 percent that you're going to lose. So that's enormous. Um, then then if you had waited for your earliest retirement age, which is maybe 66 or 67, it, it, it fluctuates. But as you said, it's waiting till 70 is so making sure that you you get as much as you can when you're claiming your Social Security that's going to really improve your bottom line, you know, the amount of income you get monthly. So, and that's your monthly payment from Social Security every month for the rest of your life. So you definitely want that to be as high as you can get it. So for anyone who can wait until you're 70, you'll, you'll get more money by waiting. Now, the other thing, uh, we have going on is that there's about 10,000 people a day turning 65. The baby boomers are getting older. Um, 
and a number of things happen when you turn 65. What do you think we need to know about when we turn 65? What do we need to do? Sign up for, for Medicare. That's Sign up of, for Medicare. That's one of the important things. And the other thing that people do not know, and a lot of people get stuck on this, is they, they don't realize that they have to pay Medicare premiums. They think, well, I've been paying into Medicare all my life, and you know, I um, I I didn't know that I was going to recording have to pay in progress. Premiums, and so what happens with um, people when you turn sixty-five is that they, uh, the minute you start to take your Social Security, they subtract the premium. So the premium is about. 140 to 170 and it can be more if you make more income there are little rules that you know put you in a different bracket and you have to pay more but that's one of the important things you can do before you retire is you can learn some of those rules you know social security has a lot of tools on their um, retirement pages that are helpful that you can use you can run your own numbers and then you can get the information, as I mentioned, from maybe your employer, and hopefully you have some savings. But you know the important piece of savings is to do it as soon as you, you know, as soon as you can, like not wait and put it off. Right, and another reason not to wait on signing up for Medicare when you turn sixty-five, you can actually get penalties if you don't right. sign up when you're sixty-five. Right. So you definitely don't want to get whacked with those penalties. Now, another issue is that um, as we age, we're going to, a lot of people are struggling financially, even when we're working uh, and not retired. But um, once we retire, that money income goes down and um, and your expenses may keep going up because of inflation and as we age because of perhaps more need for healthcare and money for different kinds of healthcare. So everybody as we age is gonna want um, to have more money available. Why is it of particular concern to women to have enough money when we retire? Well, because they have more chronic illnesses, so their healthcare costs are, are always more. Um, plus they go to the doctor more when they do have a problem and men are less likely to do that. And they also live longer. So you need to pay for those extra years that you're going to live. Right. So women need more money. You know, the longevity exactly. issue is a serious thing. And particularly if a woman has a partner and you've been accustomed to the two incomes, then you're down to one. It can be very challenging so it's a, you know women are more likely to face the loss of a spouse because we live longer, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean the the other thing is for women to pay attention to these things long before they happen. You know, as you go through life, like we we try to tell women you're on a financial journey here, and so you need to. You know, in the same way, um, I mean, a lot of times I'll ask people in my family or whatever, you know, little questions. And do you know what your car payment is? Do you know what? No. How can how can you not know what your car payment is? How can you not know what your mortgage is? You need to know that because what if you can't pay it? If it, you know, if it's there's an interest rate on it and it's going up. I mean, it happens to a lot of people like that. They take a variable rate when they buy an automobile. And um, and so anyway, you need to know those things. Nothing. I, I have never had anyone, you know, a retiree come back and say, you know, I'm really annoyed. I saved too much. You know, no one says that. No, uh -huh. one. right. Everybody's right. worried and everybody hasn't saved enough. So I think. Yeah. It, I don't think I've ever met anybody who thinks they have too much money. Yeah. Um, I know. You know, maybe some of the billionaires out there, but. Even them, they seem to always want more, like Jeff Bezos. So, <laughs> right. But um, you know, a lot of people are on the edge and uh, d dealing with paying their bills every month. Anyway, you know that shocking statistic from the Federal Reserve that 
39% of Americans would have trouble meeting an unexpected expense of $400 in a month. So right. it's hard if people are wrestling, trying to keep their head above water on a month-to-month -month basis when they are working, when they then retire, you know, it's it's going to be a, a challenging situation. And women in particular um, usually take on the caregiving responsibilities, whether that's for the children, for a sick family member, for an elderly parent. How does being the main caregiver impact women financially? Well, it, it affects it in a big way. There's there's variations on the number that I'm going to quote, but there's enough studies that it's in the vicinity that women um, women are losing over their lifetime because of caregiving uh, over three hundred thousand dollars, like in you know social security benefits, having to take off from work. Um, never mind out-of-pocket expenses, which are are um, they're not they're commonly um, referred to as uh, seventy-four hundred dollars a year. Um, that that's the average, you know, out-of-pocket expense. People go to they take care of their mother, whoever they're taking care of. They're going to the to the pharmacy and they're you know paying for things lots of different things you can come out of there you can go in for one item and you come out with four bags that you can barely carry to your car right and um and all those things add up to a lot of money and so there's bills on the capitol hill that you know would try to alleviate that burden um and have a caregiver credit of seventy four hundred dollars for um recognizing the work that caregivers do and then there's also another provision that would help caregivers who like come out of the workplace to do that caregiving to get a caregiver credit in social security. So there, you know, there've been bills of, about both those things for at least five years or more. So. Those are bills. Those are great ideas, by the way, they're bills that are proposed. They haven't passed yet. Right. No, no. But I, I think, I, I'm optimistic that there is really a chance that there will be. There's just too many people going through this. Um, right. I mean, the problem is, you know, neither one of those bills like can help everybody, you know, and so and that's the way it always is. But it would help a lot of people. Right, and I love the, you know, the the caregiver credit, seventy five hundred dollars or whatever. That's immediate relief to someone who's lost their income because they're trying to help care right. for a family member. And if the if you as the caregiver didn't do it, that then would become a major expense and liability for the city or the state or the government because there's a person that then the full uh full charge of trying to take care of them falls elsewhere. So I think it's a real it's a bargain, as we say in Boston. <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense to do that. And I love the idea of having that bump up in Social Security. I'm I'm someone I took time out to help um, to raise my child. And then when I got my Social Security statement, I saw all those zeros for all that time. Right. Like I had to not work to help my daughter if she was not going to make it. We, we adopted a special needs child, and she really required a lot of attention. And uh, I'm glad I did it, and it's worked out great. And she's now an adult and working and doing very well. But if I hadn't taken that time out, she is someone who would have been, you know, a full responsibility on the government to take care of and not with a happy future for anybody. So right. I think we really need to reward the caregivers here. Yep, and there are a lot of people in that situation, so it's it's important. I mean, the one other thing that you can do is you can just work longer. You can make sure that you're working, you know, and every year when people think that, you know, if, say, they take their retirement at age 70, their Social Security, that it can never increase, but it can increase because if you make more money, then they will drop out when they, every year, they'll, they re-average your benefit, 
um, I'm being simplistic about this, but that's what happened. So you work till you're 73 or 74. And, you know, when you were in your 20s, you were making $25,000. But now you're, you know, you're making, say, $80,000 or whatever that is. So they drop out that lower one and they recalculate it every year. So you can make your benefit increase. Right. Exactly. So it strikes me, you know, here we have, you put this data together. We've got 60, uh, you know, 10,000 people a day turning 65. We have people who already are struggling financially, even when they're working full time, maybe even two jobs. Um, as more and more people get older and retire and are unable to work for whatever reason, then um, this, as a society, we're facing a major, I don't know if you'd call it a crisis, but it certainly seems a major social financial problem to have so many people aging at the same time with so many people still struggling financially when they hit retirement and they need to have you know, some money set aside to take care of themselves as they get older. And a lot of people just haven't done that for whatever reason. Do you think this is like a train wreck coming or, well, or I how bad is the situation socially? Well, it's the same all over the world. I mean, all over the world, we're just like, it's an aging world. So we're not the only com com country that is, you know, having to deal with this. Um, I just think that, you know, for a lot of people, um, I mean, you know, in, in other countries, they have better retirement plans. Um, and you look at the French, you know, the, the, the riots over the last couple of months, you know, for just putting it up by two years, you know, from going from full retirement, you know, that was at age 62 to 64. I mean, I had to be thinking, I mean, I'm sure that was a terrible shock to somebody who was getting ready to retire pretty soon, and then they have to wait another two years. But boy, you know, we don't have that here. Um, that's for sure. So Yeah, retirement is more like 66 or something, depending on when you're born. But right. um, yeah, and look at China. I mean, talk about an aging population. Uh, China's got a real challenge with a lot of older people and not enough younger people to, to keep work. the economy going and pay for the older people. Right. And we have that here with Social Security as well, you know, because the trust funds will be depleted, you know, by the middle of the next decade. And so there has to be goodwill and there has to be agreement, you know, from the parties on Capitol Hill to make sure that it's you know, in in um, good financial sync so that people don't have to turn a certain age and then find out that they're going to lose a percentage of their Social Security check. So. Right. So I'm wondering, I have a, a friend who um, I spoke with recently, and she's approaching retirement age, and she said she's been wondering will I run out of money before I run out of life? And I think that's really a key question for a lot of people. They want to make sure they have enough money for the rest of the time they're alive. What steps do you think that women can take to avoid running out of money later in life? Keep working. Keep working. That's all I can say. Keep working. Work as no, long as you can. It, as long as you can, because it's easier to work when you're in your 60s and 70s. If you're, you know, if your health is holding up, if you've got mm -hmm. really bad health problems, then it doesn't apply to you probably. But you, you can, you can just make such a difference in, you know, your your income security by working longer, um, and also just you know clearing up the knowledge gap. You know, like you were talking about the penalty for Medicare, you know, which is a lifelong penalty. It doesn't stop. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and knowing what the rules are before you ever retire and thinking about that, you know, five or 10 years before you even reach, you know, the, the, the full retirement age so that you have some kind of a goal um, and and we'll know what the situation is. And I, I often think that people, you know, people don't know what those 
amounts are and how much it is it's confusing but you you start with where you are today and you have income that pays your bills well you're going to need that same amount of income unless you don't have any bills like unless your house is paid off and your car is paid off and your children you know have moved beyond and they're not you know requiring income from you in some other way you have that money that you're paying all these bills and you're going to need that for maybe 10 15 20 years right so you can just do the math on the back of an envelope and kind of figure out what that amount is and then you you know you take what whatever you'll get from social security and if you have a 401k you'll subtract what that you know average benefit is every year that you're able to take out of your savings and and then if you have savings that's in another little box or basket so that you know if you have an emergency you'll be able to pay something um but yeah it, it requires your paying attention and there's a huge knowledge gap never mind among right. a lot of people but especially among women partly because i think they don't take time and they also think it's more complicated than what it is um well and just like who's going to teach them you know this idea about financial literacy uh, like i don't i don't think there was ever anybody in my life that taught me uh about financial literacy and i went you know through 12 years of grade school i went to one of the best colleges i went to graduate school um like you went to law school but I, no one along the way ever taught me anything practical about financial management, about making and managing money. What's the current state of financial literacy? Like how many people have access to any kind of financial literacy? Is it being taught in high schools now? Is it, you know, I know some of the uh, secretaries of the treasury at the state levels, when as we got women into those posts were thinking about how can they use their position as a state government official to help educate people about um, financial literacy? What would you say is our current state of financial literacy right now? Who's doing it? Who's doing it well? Well, I think, you know, a lot of the financial companies um, offer and employers who offer retirement benefits will have wellness programs and they'll make some sort of education available um but you know that's voluntary and it's whether or not you want to partake of it and whether or not your employer offers it and you you know spend the time thinking about that so i think there's more opportunities and there's more information in local communities but it is by nowhere near um, people always talk about our programs because they think they're very good but you know we 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 don't get funded a lot to do scalability. I mean we have the you know we we know what the programs are. We know what people need to know. <laughs> we have success with like really low income people will like make changes and do whatever they can do because nobody puts money on the table for them. But I at the beginning I said you know that there were 24 million people that were in retirement plans and weren't weren't taking advantage of you know, the opportunities that they had there. And there can be lots of reasons for that. But, you know, with the knowledge gap, what I what I see is that that sort of wrecks your confidence as well, because people then think, well, I don't know that, that it's for me. You know what I mean? I need every penny I have. And it's true right. you need every, every penny you have. But, you know, sometimes you can start off, you, you can start off small. And, you know, it's not like you have to, I mean, people hear about how much money you can put in an IRA, you know, which changes like usually every year or two or whatever. And and then they think, well, that's how much you have to put in. But it isn't. You can put in $100 right. if you want into an IRA. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think the fact that on, on every corner there isn't financial literacy, there's still lots of ways that on the Internet that you can get information, which was not available when we started 27 years ago. Um, there was basically nothing. Um, right. You know what I mean? We had one of the first programs for women. And um, 
even AERP was doing, they were doing a program then, but they required, I think, six or eight weeks. And so the program never really survived because people, you know, even back then, people couldn't come up with, you know, that much time and be in the same place at the right time to finish, say, an eight-week course. And what happens today is that in the high schools and all of that is, is it depends. I think there's still only 18 or 20 states that allow um, financial literacy in the, in the schools. So, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, you, so have to be, we, you, ha you have to even know that you want to look for it. You know, right. I think, you know, one of the best things that when, when I was, you know, what, what was great was when I first started working, um, you know, people would tell you like, have you signed up for this? Have you signed up for that? Your boss or somebody in the office, people don't do that anymore because they're worried about being, you know, if I tell you that you better sign up for that, maybe that plan doesn't turn out to be as good as whatever. And then you come back and say, why did you make me, you know, why did you make me sign up for that? You know, they don't, people don't put themselves out anymore to offer that kind of advice. But that was the kind of advice when I know lots of women who succeeded who had very low income because somebody told them, you better get in there, you better start saving, you better write now. Every time you get a raise, you like put in a little bit more and, you know, it made a huge difference. So if you're not yeah. hearing it at home, my dad was in the military. So I heard about his pension. I think I probably knew that when I was two, got to get in the pension. <laughs> get the pension got to stay so and also you know i i look back and he also had health care my i had a mother that had like really serious you know health issues and so that too was you know i learned that you know you go take a job you get health insurance so i mean that was talked right. about a lot well, some people say if you're in the military you you got all that you know it's like the best health care system we've got is the veterans administration and why not expand that and have everybody have eligibility but at least the veterans have it so that's good yeah so um it seems to me it would make sense to have financial literacy as part of a core curriculum in high school that it's just like you said who knows to even go look for it. but if it's in your curriculum in high school then everybody's going to have some exposure obviously you're not thinking about retirement when you're in high school but if you could get learning about money basics managing money you know making it investing it what to do with it and like you said if you could even sock away ten dollars a month when you start working um ten dollars a month towards some kind of retirement fund that could actually compound and grow by the time you are ready to retire you'd be all set right so what's happening why aren't we having financial literacy education in the high schools well because every state has a different rule you you watch the news and you see it's not like somebody can come in and say this is what you have to do that's why there aren't you know every there isn't a program in every state is my point and the yeah. So one of the, the organizations, uh, Jumpstart, you know, that's been around for 35, 40 years or so, you know, they that's been their battle for a long time. And it still, you know, doesn't happen because people in charge make the decisions about what's going to go in the school curriculum. And not everybody thinks that way. I mean, I, I think another way around that is to be teaching people about getting job benefits when you go to an employee, you know, this is how when you get a job, this is, this is what you look for. This is, you know, they're going to take Social Security out of your paycheck. A lot of people don't know that when we get interns, even for the summer, I say to them, we're going to take Social Security out of your check, because this is going to be your first time. And then you're going to see what that means. And you're going to be part of the system, you're going to be every time you go, you know, get another job, you're going to keep paying in. Um, yeah, but people well, don't, um, just saying a lot of people don't I, even know that. Right. How would you know? Uh, what are, teach you. What are some of the programs that you offer through WISER, your organization? Well, I mean, we partner with organizations that want these programs. And so like we, you know, we have a, a pretty successful Latina um, program that we work with this organization for 
probably over 20 years. And um, and so I, I've seen some of the women in that organization go from um, working and, you know, getting a benefit to becoming widows and talking to them about like what what they should be doing to like looking for did their husband have a pension maybe or, you know, like finding all the benefits that they're going to be eligible for Social Security as well and how the rules work, you know, because if you're married, you get spousal benefits if you've been married and not divorced and you know, if you've been divorced, you, you also, one of the issues that people don't know about is if you were married and then for 10 years and then you get divorced, you're still eligible for this, for the spousal benefits. And that's true for the men as well. You know, whoever you're married to is eligible if they were married for 10 years. So, yeah. So I'm just saying we that's try to help people not make mistakes because most, most people can't afford or mistakes. We always say the women can't afford mistakes because they have a, you know, they have a harder time because they start out with less income, less savings, less social security and all that because they earn less. Um, but they also live longer. So they end up needing more. Right. So I just hosted um, Brooke Lehrman, who's the comptroller for the state of Maryland uh, at an event the other day. And in her speech, she mentioned she would like to do something about financial literacy in the state of Maryland. If you were advising her on what would be possible or, or what could be done by a state for financial literacy, what would you recommend to her? Well, I, I recommend that they have a savings program where they, you know, they they basically have a financial companies where somebody can save that stops a lot of people from saving because a lot of a lot of the companies um and the banks or whatever don't don't have the small saver accounts and that's what gets people saving so a lot of the credit unions have a five dollar savings account and now some of the banks do but not a lot and that that keeps you you know if you don't know this if the reason why some of our programs work is because we come in and we tell people you should be saving. If you can't do it, we'll do the $5 with you because we're not doing it for millions of people. We're doing pilot programs. And so once they know that they can do it and that they, they're signed up and they'll take it out of your paycheck, you start with say $5 or $10, then you know, you're know you teaching people a habit. It's like for a lot of us, we used to have those um, everybody remembers those Christmas clubs and things like that that the banks offer, and they didn't even pay interest or anything, but it taught you something about saving because when Christmas came, you could buy your parents a gift because you had put away some money, right? So right. the thing was that it wasn't hard. You knew where the bank was down the street. So we find, you know, a lot of people are still looking for the, the um, you know, the brick and mortar bank where they can go in, but there's not a lot of availability. There's some, and the, you know, and the credit unions have more, um, but they don't have universal either. So, but that's what I would right. tell well, her because that gives people, you know, an account that they can start saving in. That would be one thing. Cause I'm sure there are plenty of people in the state of Maryland that don't have any savings. Right, exactly. Well, I remember when I was in high school and I was working a job after school and in the summer and I went down to the Shawmut Bank and deposited my paycheck. I'm sure it was pathetically small compared to what we have now, but to me it was a lot. And I got so excited. They actually gave me my savings book and every time I made a deposit, they'd say, here's another $10. And I could see it growing and I was like, great. So that was my college fund to help make sure I could be able to pay for college. So, um, but it's all digital now, but the concept is still there. It is. If you just start saving five or $10 here or there, it really can add up. Um, and, you know, one of the concerns some people have is if they do think about financial education, they're kind of worried about everybody's trying to sell me something. And I've come across you know, these insurance companies that are selling life insurance and annuities and this and that, and they give 
financial education programs, but it's kind of the front door to try and get clients to come in and buy their products. So how can we find reliable financial education? Well, again, you know, there are companies that do this on the local level. And I think, you know, you can, we have a checklist on our website. I know with the questions that you need to ask, you know, how they're paid, you know, and what they're selling and, you know, why, why would you need that? I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of women that have, you know, women that raise children and are single and they end up buying expensive um, products that they don't need because their kids are grown. They're already through school, you know, like, so start saving for your retirement, you know, like how can you do that and where can you do that? So that that's what I think people need to pay attention to. I mean, there are a lot, and you, you know, you ask for recommendations from people, you know, if you have a group of women that you're with, you ask, you know, how anybody here have a good financial planner or who do you have? Um, and I, I know there are lots of good people out there that aren't just selling those, you know, selling right. one particular product. It's partly they're pushed into it, the plan, some of the planners, because of the way they're paid. So if you get paid because you sell this, then, you know, you're going to gravitate to selling certain things. And they're right for certain people. It's just not for everyone. So Right, exactly. And so how can our listeners learn more about your work? What's your website? It's wiser, W-I-S-E-R, women.org. Um, and there's plenty of information there for caregivers, um, financial issues for caregivers, of which there are a lot. Um, and there's pretty much everything. Like you were mentioning the um, the widow's booklet, we have a really good with a lot of steps inside that of, of, you know, what you need to do. And so during the pandemic, that was that was one of our most popular um, items that people came to the website and wanted. And then, you know, we have information for people going through a divorce. Um, and then, you know, just your basic, um, you know, like what you need to know. We have a booklet that we first wrote in 1998. And it's it's updated and the it's about 12 pages, I think. And it's short, it's a little booklet like this. And what's good about it is it has all the things you need to know, all the things we've been talking about, the social security, the this, um, you know, signing up, getting a Roth IRA, which is one of the best IRAs you can get, but finding where where can you, you know. In, in Maryland, like where can you, where can the governor or the comptroller or, you know, the treasurer um, recommend that you, you go and you open up an account and start saving? That's what people need. That's what stops them from doing anything. You know, you can hear this on the radio and then you think, oh, I'm going to go do this. Well, where do I go? You know, and you go and you find out that they don't have the small saver accounts at the bank that you know on the corner. So, where do you go to find that? So I think making it yeah. as easy as making it as easy as possible for people. And, you know, there's just a few ways that people are looking to save. Um, you know, they're usually worried. I mean, they, if they don't have an emergency fund, that's the first thing you need to do so that you're able to pay that bill that you were mentioning from the Federal Reserve. You know, the study that shows that, like, I think it's 39%, um, mm -hmm. right, can't pay a $400 bill or a $500 bill. Sometimes they ask a different question. They mix it up. Um, but the point is no more people are, you know, um, able to save 500 than who are able to save 400 And so I think, you know, just having that is a big accomplishment. And then, you know, saving more because you if you lose your job or you have some other illness or you need to take time off, you have some sort of a nest egg. And so I think, you know, the other thing that someone told me when I first started doing this, and I'm I'm glad that that she did. She was a, um, she was an accountant and she worked for one of the big accounting firms, but she wrote a book on women in retirement. <clears throat> And so she kept saying to me, 
you have to tell everyone to live below their means, you know, like every time mm -hmm. they get a raise, they don't have to spend it, you know, <laughs> they can, they can make sure that they're saving a little bit more. So. Right, exactly. And unfortunately, it tends to be a human tendency. You know, if you're making 20,000 a year, you're spending 22,000. You know, right. If you're making 40,000 a year, you're spending 45,000. People tend to slightly spend slightly more than they actually have. And we need to do the exact opposite to right. just spend I mean, somewhat less than what you earn and save and invest that money. Right. I mean, the other thing that this these are hard times because of the inflation and the interest rates being, you know, so I, I mean, I could hear imagine somebody listening to you and I having this conversation and saying like why would this be the time you know what I mean when I can when I can really start to save when you know the interest rates are going up everything costs more so it's it's hard times but if you can if you can figure that out and um I remember and and I'm I'm not bragging about any of this but I remember I I had a house fire and I sort of lost everything and I got the last check from the insurance company you know to to buy the things I needed to buy like you have to buy a bed and then you buy sheets and then you buy a comforter you know and, and curtains and pillows and you know every every room in the house has to have something and so they they don't give you unlimited money and I was thinking, you know, it'd be really good if I opened up, um, you know, a Roth IRA and just put some money in. And I thought, no, I can't do that. And I was laughing because I was walking along and I was thinking, you can't do that. You now have this money in hand. You could do that. You have to make choices about all these other things. And I did it. And that was like the first, you know, I, I, I was laughing, thinking, you know, I'm waiting for the perfect day when all the bills are paid and I have everything I need. When is that day ever coming? You know, so right. I just did, I did, it wasn't enormous, but I did, I started. So that's it. I, that's it. And that's that kind of pay yourself first concept, yeah. you know, set aside whatever you can every month towards your investment fund. And uh, if you can do that over time, that'll really grow. You know, you mentioned, the booklets that you've got through Wiser. And I remember in our last conversation, you talked about um, a booklet. I think it was called What Everyone Needs to Know About Retirement exactly. and Money. Yeah. Um, and that was an insert in Good Housekeeping magazine that went to 26 million readers, right? Right, right. Is that still available? Is that available now on your website? Yeah, we've updated it. It's still on the website. So under publications. So um, the other thing is, if you really, um, I'm going to recommend a book that I think is really important. And it's called Get a Financial Life. And it's really meant for young people, you know, for, for people in their 20s and 30s. But the point is, it's for everyone. And what she has is a lot of information in there about, you know, like whatever, everything you need to know, you find like a phone number or a website or someplace that you can get that information. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's pithy. It's sort of, she's funny and she, you know, she just keeps it moving and it's probably in its sixth or eighth printing or, you know, so I don't know if you know, and it's, so it's Get a Financial Life, and it's for people in their 20s and 30s, and it's written by Beth Kobliner. I love Kay. that, Get a Financial Life. That's so good. Yeah, it is. And um, and one of the things that you've recommended in your work is kind of, you know, like, like you're saying, make it easy, make it simple. It can feel very overwhelming if you don't yes. know any of this, and then you're hearing about this and that, and you just want to put your head under a cover and run the other way. <laughs> right. But um, I love your approach that you talk about doing a step-by-step -step plan to improve your financial situation. And step one is start now, like start today. Say, don't wait for that perfect day when all your bills are paid and you've got a lot of money coming in. That day may never come. Right. So start today. Um and then figure out if you're um, if you're facing retirement, 
or thinking about it even down the road, how much are you going to need? Because I'm sure that varies, you know, by person, depending on your particular circumstance. And then learning about investments. Where can you invest the money that you're setting aside for retirement? Is that, would you say that's kind of the one, two, three to get going? Yeah, definitely. So, and I, I think, you know, there, there are easier ways when people say, well, I don't know how to invest. I don't know where to put it. But there are things that you can, you know, target date funds, you know, and things that are tied to your, like when you would retire. So if you're in your 20s and you think, well, I'll retire in my 60s, you can find, an, you know, you can find a, a, a place to uh, invest where it just goes by your age. And so you're going to save enough and it's going to have volatility based on how old you are. So if you're 60 years old, you know, the the target date fund is not going to be investing in all these very volatile stock market accounts. But, you know, in it'll be a mixture and it will figure it out for you. So I'm being simplistic here. But it I mean, finding that and knowing what a what a an account like that is can make a big difference for people. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. women just say, you know, we we did a nurse's study and I remember the grant that we got from the the financial people that we got it from, they wanted us to use this, you know, a nurse investing um, uh, session. And nobody wanted to come. The nurses said to me, you know, everybody's really excited that we're going to have this, but nobody nobody wants to come. They're not investors. And so figuring out how you know, how to get around that and just like learning to invest or learning to, learning to save and where to put your money, that kind of thing, you know, that there are these funds there that will help you so that you're not going to, um, I, I met a young woman one time and she hadn't signed up. She and I were going for a table at Starbucks outdoors on a beautiful day. And I was only there for waiting for someone to come to go someplace else. And I said to her, look, I promise I won't talk to you. I'm just sitting here waiting for my friend to come. And she has a big stack of papers. And she says to me, oh, don't worry. She said, I bring out all this paperwork every every week and I never do anything about it. And I see that it's it's a retirement, you know, it, it says retirement. So I said, well, now full disclosure, <laughs> what is that? And she said, well, I work for this small nonprofit, but it's got, you know, it's a scientific, I have a PhD and all of this. And they paid 8% into an account and she never she had been there almost a year and that's why she just didn't and so i got her over the hump of what she needed which was really funny because i said well show me what's the problem and she said i just don't know whether i should do moderate i don't know you know if i should do like aggressive and i said look how you know you're in your 20s right she says yes and i said so you don't have to worry you know, this is you're saving money for the future. So you don't want to lose it all because it's going to discourage you. So you split it up between moderate and aggressive. But you could have some aggressive because you're not going to need this money till you're 70 years old or something. Anyway, we got her signed up because she was missing out on that 8%. And she didn't even have to put any of her own money into it. Well, and, you know, and it's a great story because here's this one. She's obviously very bright. She's got a PhD. And even she was flummoxed by the paperwork. Like, you know, I don't, I think oftentimes women are afraid of making a mistake, afraid of doing the wrong thing. So they don't do anything. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, we just, we need to simplify this. We need to make it easy and make it fun and uh, and and make it seem doable. And I think doing which you're brilliant at. I mean, that's what you've done for 25 years at Wiser. So I really appreciate that. Um, and speaking of accounts, uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, the retirement account this woman got through her employer. There's also you talk about um, accounts for dealing with health care costs down the road. So what do you recommend that women keep in mind? when planning for the future healthcare costs, which are likely to be there down the road? 
Right. Well, I think the healthcare savings accounts are supposed to be, I mean, I hear different things and they're still newish, you know? Um, I mean, they're, you know, it's not, a, it's not like they've been around for decades or anything. And, but I think if you have one, you, you have to be contributing to it. So women have to just look for that HSAs um, and make, that's just another way to save. So you can fund that um, like you would fund a, uh, 401k but maybe you should go there first so and where where can women find the health savings account well, is that through their employer? through your employers you know through your employer um, yeah right and then uh what about annuities you know you hear that this idea about people are attracted to investing in an annuity that gives guaranteed income over time but then you hear other people say, don't buy an annuity because they're laden with fees and you're, there's all kinds of financial traps in them, so don't get caught in that. What's your view on annuities? No, I, I think they're really important. I mean, I think I think you need to know whether you need an annuity. If you're, you know, if you're in a couple and, you know, your, your spouse has... Uh, a pension, a defined benefit pension, and you you have some other kind of defined benefit pension, and then you both have Social Security, you know, only one of you may need the annuity, you know, because you've got a lot of income that's going to be guaranteed. Um, so, you, and the fees, I think, depends on where you buy them, you know, it's like anything else. So you need to shop around. And what's complicated about it is that, you know, different annuities have bells and whistles on them and so you need to know whether you need any of those bells and whistles because maybe you just buy a straight vanilla guaranteed income and you buy it you know you don't buy it when you're 20 you can buy it when you're older and you know make sure that you have enough for when you're in your 80s um i mean there's lots of opportunities there but it's it's and and there are places i mean if there are places that I know that are financial companies, so I don't want to. I don't want to say that on your show, but there are, mm -hmm. you know, somebody could contact me and I'd whisper in their ear where to go and do the price. Uh, you know, you you can you can compare prices of different annuities, and I th I think you know yeah. it it makes it makes a difference. So. Right. And everybody at this Absolutely. stage, everybody wants guaranteed lifetime income. You know, you listen, it's sort of like, of course I want that, you know, but how do I buy right. it? No, it's, it's the same it, thing. You as know, it can enhance your sense of security. Yeah. But, you know, so, and, and it's different for everyone. And the reason I use that example is um, my, I, I have a cousin and they visited and my, his wife had just, she's a nurse and she retired and he, my, uh, he, he, my cousin took her to a financial planner. It was 27. He was brand new. And he's telling her, well, you want to make sure that your kids get your money. And she looked at him and she said, I've put my kids through school. I've helped them buy houses. No, I'm not giving my money to my kids. And, and that, and he didn't want her to buy an annuity and she was interested, you know, and so we were talking about that. So my poor cousin anyway had to walk out the door because we weren't going to listen to him at all because he doesn't know anything. And I was amazed at how sharp she was. She had already researched a lot of this, you know. Well, it's good to be informed. And thank you for uh, spending so much of your life making sure that women have the information they need to plan for their economic future and to increase their economic security. I am kind of curious, you've been at this with Wiser now, I think 25 years. And um, I'm wondering what motivated you to dedicate so much of your life and your talent to helping women have greater economic security? Because when I started, there was so little information, and I, I saw the statistics of older women being poor, and I, I looked at what the factors were, and I thought, well, that's going to be me. I'm divorced. I just lost my pension. My defined benefit plan was frozen. Um, you know, <laughs> here I am. I'm whatever age I was at the time, and so I just got into it, and I felt like People don't know this, and we need to at least let them know what the issues are so that they can do something about it. And lots of women, you know, that we've worked with, 
really do do something about it and are, are grateful and will, you know, come and tell you that they've done it. That's great. And that's all the time we have. Cindy Hounsel of Wiser, thank you so much for being with us today and for all your important work. All right. Thank you, Eleanor. I appreciate the opportunity. So take care. <laughs>